Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to Uncut Sports Talk. Featuring your host, Rhino. Brian Casher. I've known for a long time. That you have no clue about baseball, and you literally go into a little room that's set up Moneyball style. You got four-eyed Bill in there, reading off algorithms about players' talents, successes, whatever you guys punch into those things, you know, skills. But for Christ's sake, can you move away from the computer one time and let me enlighten you on something? We won 100 fucking games in the regular season last year. 100. We got our tits absolutely blown off in the postseason. And let me enlighten you on something else. Judge Blaine and your co-host, Paz. The NFL is a joke. Um, The players, I feel bad for the players, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys that... Probably, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on that New Orleans team that, you know, are, are the 53rd man on that roster. And that extra $75,000 that they would have gotten for going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of the playoff checks, is probably a huge deal to them. I feel really bad for those guys. Um, I don't really give a shit about the, the, the top guys as much, obviously. But, I mean, like, lives are changed. Careers are changed. Um, you know, even the coaches, too. Same thing. Like, there's a lot of those ancillary coaches that if they get their, you know, their – their offensive line to the Super Bowl, maybe they're up for a, you know, a, a an offensive coordinator job somewhere or you know something like that. It's it, it's it's just a, a a snowball that starts at the top of the mountain and just completely continues gathering momentum, gathering growth until it it hits the bottom guys, and unfortunately those are the guys that suffer. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Uncut Sports Talk, featuring Rhino and friends. It's your host Rhino. I got pause with me. My first um, live rant, something we thought we would be doing a lot of on the radio um, in regards to outcomes to sporting events or what have you, anything that we felt like we need to come on and, and have a, uh, a conversation about it, get off the chest. Um, this may take five hours. This may take 30 minutes. I really don't know. Um, but I, I also want to apologize for we haven't been on a lot in a while. And, and as we get through this rant here, you'll see kind of why, because uh, I just cannot, I'm having such a hard time getting into sport back into sport. It's something I mentioned, and this just kind of continues that trend of some type of consistency and purity. And um, it's kind of just gone. So I'll kind of going to give a little bit of full disclosure and just get into what I do and I, uh, a puzzle way in on just his thoughts also. And that's it. We're kind of going to go from there. I have no setup here. I'm just going to go. Um, I'll give a full disclosure of just in general, uh, what type of horse player I am. It will start with the Kentucky Derby. And if I get into some of the other notes in, in sport as a whole, then fine. Um, full disclosure, 
I, I am a horse player that was taken to the track, either the Haskell or the uh, opening day at Monmouth long time ago by my father, my best friend, and uh, unfortunately, uh, God bless him, his father, who has passed away from cancer, took us when we were super young. I believe opening day the other day, actually it was opening day, because I believe opening day last year, the year before, I'd have to check uh, my old social media or my photos I have aligned here was like my 26th or so right? 26 and 34. So I think it was my 26th straight opening day. Uh, tradition that we kept together for a long time uh, at Monmouth with the, uh, my best friend's father before he passed away and, and my father when he is, was able to attend. Um, that's the type of horse player I am. I had to listen to a radio show on the way home yesterday of a guy who literally admitted that he plays the derby only and took calls to have people explain them what they thought. Okay. Um, I would call, I have no problem. And this is my opinion. And, and if, um, look prior to yesterday, uh, you can come find me and search me. I'm on multiple tournament sites. I believe in my opinion, I'm the best handicapper at Monmouth park in the whole country. I don't think it's disputable. Uh, and if anybody wanted to play me prior to yesterday in any head to head tournament, I have statistically dominated all three websites that I play head-to-head tournaments on, on anybody that's played against me. I statistically dominate in tournaments when Monmouth is involved um, in, in the facts of Stars and Stripes being on the board, mainly because of Monmouth. Belmont has really never helped me there because I'm not even as close to but as good of a handicapper at Belmont as I am Monmouth. I'm a better tournament player than I am window player. I have scores from... I believe my biggest was 16K uh, to a couple, uh, 1,000 in pick fours and fives. Uh, but I am nowhere near the window player as I am tournament player. However, I do play tournament. I do still play at the windows um, every now and then. This year, I thought I would con- stop, completely stop playing at the windows and continue with my ROI for head-to-head tournaments. That's the type of player I am. That's how much I'm into horse racing. So this is going on 24 years. I've played in multiple tournaments where I've been uh, maybe pausing those number. I don't know. My mind's not in the state right now how many, but I believe I played in something like 24-ish tournaments uh, live. I've been on the board in the top 15 with four races or so left, maybe even more than that, uh, in the top 15 and are running to take it down in about 15 of them. And I've taken down two uh, at first. I should have won one in my first tournament ever where I was too drunk to realize that having a uh, $2,700 lead against some of the top 10 players in the entire country at that time was more than enough. Uh, Instead, I gin and tonic my way out of that one because I didn't know really the setup or anything at that point in time. So I played with the best. I don't fear the best. I feared nobody when it involves Monmouth Park. Um, So there's my uh, horse racing. I like Santa Anita before all this stuff was going on with the horses. I like Belmont. I'm awful at Saratoga, although I do like watching the horses there because it's a very competitive, beautiful place. Uh, and I, you know, dabble at the Meadowlands every now and then uh, in the wintertime when the main stuff's not going on. I do the same exact bet for the Kentucky Derby the last, I would say, probably six years. Uh, I find my horse that I think is going to win, and I key him in the top three spots in the trifecta with two or three horses, sometimes four this year is a little different. I'll get to that sometimes two or three or four in the second slot. And then I do all. 
and then I move key them all the way through. So that means that I would have, let's say, uh, I had Justify in first. I had two or three horses behind him in second and all in third. Then I have those two or three horses in first that I think could also win, Justify in second, all for third. Then uh, two or three horses I think can win, all in second, Justify in third. So that's called a key, which means that as long as Justify hits the board and the other two or three horses I think could possibly win, finish first, I essentially win. Uh, that's hammering home on someone you think is going to be successful. Yesterday, all week, uh, and Paz can attest this, I could not get off the separation between Code of Honor and Tactus. I thought Code of Honor was uh, right for this race, and I thought Tactus, just in all scenarios where he's uh, surfaced, he's been uh, destroyed out of the gate, which is another thing we'll certainly get to, uh, and recovered. He's been bounced around. He's done a couple multiple things. I thought he was almost like uh, the guy that could take blows. And in the Kentucky Derby, in that situation, you're taking blows with typically 20 horses, yesterday 19. And I thought that he'd be able to withstand that stuff, whereas some of those horses take a blow or two, and they're completely eliminated from the race. So I thought even if he possibly took a big blow out of the gate, he would still be live. So yesterday, I just could not all week get up separation for the two of them. So I did two. Both of them keyed instead of a single key with two or three behind that I thought could win. Um, and then all uh, two or three I thought could win, the two of them and all, two or three I thought that could win, all and the two of them. So um, I had the trifecta before it got taken down yesterday. Maximum security is somebody I used, game winner I used, and improbable I used as the three on the top and those two in the middle, and then all. And I did eliminate a couple from the all because I wanted to keep my trifecta in the 42 range or whatever it was on 50. Uh, so I, um, I eliminated some of the monster prices that I didn't think really had a shot. I did leave uh, Country House in, though, because he's somebody I talked to Paz about earlier who I thought could definitely hit the board. Uh, but some that I thought just had no shot at hitting the board, I did eliminate to take my price down. So I believe my final ticket, I deleted the app because I was so pissed off yesterday. It was 42.50 for each try, uh, however that worked out. So it was like 42.50, 42.50, 42.50, something like that. Um, so, um, and then, you know, so yes, so uh, this isn't, I also want to make sure that people understand this isn't a salty rant. Um, I, Paz can also attest this. I left the track yesterday up somewhere around a thousand dollars between going three and one in head-to-head -head tournaments though i did lose the bigger one i made up i want to say like 55 and 22 is 77 so i won all in all 77 dollars from the tournaments in profit uh i had a pick four four times at mammoth i had a couple across the board plays so this isn't a salty you know i lost the bet and that's why i'm on here it's, it's not about that um if anybody told you that that try probably pays, I don't know, maybe I would say between three and six or something, three and 5,000 or something like that. Does that, whether you're a millionaire or an everyday Joe that's scrapping by each check, does, does anybody not want that three to 5,000? Of course. Uh, look, I think any millionaire would tell you they'd rather have 5,000 more dollars than any everyday Joe would obviously tell you they'd rather take every 5,000. But for me, not about the money because I left yesterday up somewhere between 1000 and $1,500 between the two collectively. Um, to me, this is about what I've talked about on the show in the last episode about the consistency and purity of sport. And I just, I'm at a point where I just can't do it anymore. I've literally, um, 
I am a sports guy through and through that played three sports his entire life, um, college for sports. I wanted to have a career that stayed in sports and combine that with my other passion, which is helping people combine those two to do a sport related career that also helps people. I made sure I stayed in sport. When I was trying to go away to school, I looked up, you know, careers in sport, majors in sport, et cetera, followed that my entire life. Um, uh, again, horse racing for, I believe this was the 22nd year, 24th year, whatever I said, that I'm at 34 and I've known the, my best friend here since I was 11. I was older for my grade. So we met that year. So uh, whatever that works out, 23 years, whatever that works out to be, that's my horse racing knowledge. So um, I, 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 I literally, uh, I'm at a point where I'm done. And I thought that if I didn't come on here and do a rant, I would be in doing a disservice and an injustice to my friends, which includes pause. Uh, um, any of my best friends that I talk to on a daily basis or just friends I talk to on a daily basis, my wife, um, my, my dog, my family for that matter. And I, I, I don't want to hold this on my chest to, to any of them because they don't deserve any brunt of, of, of how I feel. Okay. The ruling did maximum. I, I don't think the argument is whether maximum security fouled or not. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't think there's a question. Is it close to 70-30 maybe instead of a 100%? Maybe. I, I could see that. My problem number one with it is that when you are at a point, right, and we have all this review in all these other sports, in the MLB and, and in football and, and wherever else that does reviews, hockey, that if it's not completely indisputable, 100% guarantee it can't be overturned. Whether you like DRF or not, whether you like Equibase or not, uh, Equibase doesn't have any, as many writers, but let's just stick with DRF. I saw 11 DRF writers yesterday, okay? Uh, and I'll add in like Paul LaDuca and Andy Serling, okay? So that's like 13. But between those 13, I would say it was, I saw five that said, no way it should be done. And seven that said, yes. If you have 13 writers where this is what they do for a full-time profession, writers, Laduka and Serling, I guess you would call them handicappers and writers. I don't really know exactly on-air personalities, whatever you want to call their role. If you have 13 people that are full-time work this sport, that it's not 100%, it's a problem for him to be for him to be ruled to be taken down. That's number one. Number two, the fact that people from actual on-track stewards from other tracks openly admit that they wouldn't have taken them down a $10,000 claimer or would have only taken them down to graded stakes or vice versa, whatever, because I saw a whole bunch of that too means that there's also a serious problem of consistency and purity because if it's a foul, it's a foul. If it's a foul at Mammoth, it's a foul at, it should be a foul at Aqueduct, it should be a foul at Belmont, it should be a foul at Saratoga, it should be a foul at Churchill Downs, period. How am I going to play in a game where stewards at four different tracks that actually have a Twitter go on there and say, they wouldn't have taken him down or they would have taken him down. 
So now you have a 50-50 split between the people who are actually making those decisions. Okay? Consistency and purity, that's two. Three. And to me, the biggest problem of them all. I don't think there's a person that actually knows horse racing in the entire country. I really don't. That can tell you that Country House was the best horse in that race and deserved to win that race. If anything. If anything. The horse that deserved to win that race was War of Will. Because he was absolutely loaded. That's who maximum security impeded. Toddy had no shot. When he was trying to split with War of Will, yes, did he get bumped by War of Will? Yes. He was already slightly exhausted. He tried to get into him, couldn't really get into him, then got bumped. That horse had no shot at winning. War of Will probably wins that race. Now, maximum security turned on another gear. Yes, I understand the, the other gear gets turned on, gets a bump, War of Will comes off. Not in the horse's sight. He's kind of through the roars of the crowd now. Hundred, I, I read. I think I read two hundred one thousand people loud screaming. Um, he fights that off because that's something they don't see. Uh, you know, maybe you get forty thousand on a on a on a, a Derby prep day. He gets through there, finds his second gear. Does he find the second gear because he bumps War Will and that makes him look like he gets clear? Maybe I don't know. That's something I don't know. That's something that only the jockey on maximum security could tell you, which is Shia. He would know if he put up when he kicked back into him if he was given him more, or he got more because of whatever uh, because of the bump. Neither what either neither here nor there. He pulled away. Country House had nothing to do with it, and now you have a winner of the your biggest race the entire year. It's undeniable. The Belmont Stakes is big. The Preakness is big. There's no shot this horse wins either of those races. No shot. And. The only time that the Belmont and the Preakness get up to 201,000 people in there would be if this was a triple crown run, and it's not going to be. Okay? That it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, that Country House gets to win this race. If you want to pull up the guys impeded, I'm all for that. And I understand this is a ruling in horse racing has been forever. I get it. We're fine. But you pull the horse down to give a horse the win – that has absolutely no shot at winning the race. If you want to pull war, war will up, fine. Cool with that. There's no way that maximum security should be taken down to lose to a horse that he had beat. He beat country. He, pulled, he killed country house. It's not close. It's a horse and a half to two horses away from country house. There's no way you should, that country house should be the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Now, if war will finish second, or third, and you want to pull maximum security down because War Will now gets second or first, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with it. So that's three different things. You don't have consistency with the stewards. You overturn something that is a, at best, like I said, of the 13 that I looked at, I couldn't even look anymore because I was making so sick. Of the 13 I looked at, those are full-time professional people in horse racing, are 7-5. Don't care about the percentage. That's probably in the 60s, 60%. Okay, that's not indisputable evidence. That's not 13 for 13 with 100%. And there's just no purity. Okay, the day before, in a pick five, there's the other thing about consistency and purity. You literally have NBC callers, and I'm sorry to NBC, they do a dog shit job. 
They have nobody on there that knows what the fuck they're talking about. I should apologize because there's probably going to be more cursing. I should apologize for cursing on here, but I'm going to curse more. So if this is not, maybe this isn't for you if you're against cursing because it's going to keep happening. Okay. They do a dog shit job. They have nobody on there that has a clue what they're talking about besides uh, Eddie who actually owns a couple and has been in the game for a long, long time. Okay. When you have that, those bums, I believe there's seven of them that they go to as a whole before the race, tell you that the only way this horse has any shot of winning is if he goes to the front. And you have 13 other jockeys who are supposed to study the journal in the race, not realize they have to go to the front to win or can't let this horse get to the front to win or he's going to walk away with it. And none of them do it is why I also don't play the windows anymore. Because it's not about the book. It's not about the homework you put in. That, to me, is a fucking joke and a fix job. And the one thing I'll say about Mammoth Park, while they do a bad job in a lot of areas, and I could talk about them for two, three hours about from a marketing standpoint, for how ridiculous it is that they have three food areas yesterday for the entire day, and everyone, I, I literally stood in line with my wife for, for fucking two whole races, or one race, and the other one went off at zero posts. That's over 51 minutes, and that was the shortest line of all of them. And they do a whole bunch of things that are dog shit. I've never once came away from Mammoth and on, on a non-day of like a Haskell day maybe where a whole bunch of bullshit comes in. I've never walked away from Mama saying to myself, like, how, how did that horse win? I know what I'm getting going in there. And that's maybe why I'm so successful at Mama. I know Navarro sticking needles in these horses' asses. I know Service is doing the same thing. I know Sabelli juice her horses when she's in stakes races and, and the other ones are all dead, to, dead in the regular races and claimers, et cetera. Okay. I know what jockeys are going to make sketch moves. I know what someone's going to do on the turf. I know what someone's going to do on the dirt. I know what these owners spend money on. I at least know what I'm getting every time I get to mama. When I get beat, I knew I got beat. Said to my dad yesterday, two horse race in the five and the 13, the 11 has a shot to win. Told him to sprinkle a little bit on it. He does. Tell, tell pause. People are putting money on the wrong horse. Horse dominates. Tell pause another. There's no way this other horse should be five to two, and this other one should be three to five. Has no shot. Horse wins in a photo. I at least know what I'm getting. If six loses that two, I saw that two. I thought he had a shot. But for shit like that to happen in the Oaks, and to me, always happens at Belmont with jockeys. They have the brothers, the Ortiz brothers, all and people post videos on a on a daily basis of what the two the shit the two of them get. You're turning around watching one of the brothers is watching where his brother is the whole entire time, clears a lane for him. Like at least I know what I'm getting at Mammoth, so I'm getting that consistency. Like I said, maybe that's why I'm successful. But at least I know the on track product and what's being put in the book for the on track product is gonna give me what it gets. And maybe that's why a lot of favorites roll by because you could easily toss out a lot of these horses who have no shot. I understand that. I understand all that. And I understand the value in playing is not as great because you can go ahead and toss out six and it's an easy single. You can go ahead and and break it down to two and the outcomes usually happen. So you're getting a $50 or whatever. Same thing I said to my father yesterday. We didn't make the first race, but I told him I literally wrote on top of my pad, all these horses suck. If you're going to play it, pick all, and a 47 to one shot opens the card. I probably would have had it because I would have been there. I don't know if I would have slapped all and actually played the ticket. I don't know what the ticket had been. 
my pick four ticket was only, I want to say $24, no, less than 20. Yeah, I slapped it four times. So it was around $24 on a dollar, and I slapped it four times to play for play it for under 100 so maybe I don't play it. Maybe I do. I don't know. I would have to see if I slap all there. That probably takes my ticket around 72. I probably sit out because that's too much. I'm on the pick five. But my point is, at least I know what I, the purity I'm getting and the consistency. I know what Navarro's giving me. I know what Sabella's giving me. I know what Service is giving me. I know what Breen is giving me. I know what the jockeys are giving me. But the product at these other places and the consistency, the lack of consistency and the lack of purity, I'm just done with it. Like I actually am just done. I have no interest in playing anymore. I already told Paz and many people well before this, my, one of my best friends, I'm not playing at the windows this year. The only reason I played at the windows yesterday is because the ticket was so cheap. How do I not get around not playing for it? And it's unfortunate because this is a fan of 24 years, 23 years, whatever the math works out to be, that has supported horse racing through and through that has played all these, that has gone to opening day to Mammoth 23, 24 years in a row, that has gone to every Haskell 23, 24 years in a row, that has driven up and played in Belmont, that has played in 24, 25 tournaments, and there's only four or five a year total that involve Mammoth. So that's a lot for the last five or six years. Put a lot of time in, but the game has lost me now too. And I'm one of the biggest game supporters. And to someone that like Andy Serling, I believe it was him. I'm 99.9% sure if I'm wrong. I apologize to Andy. That says that this is good for the game is absurd. Okay? You never want a black eye on your game. The horse got booed yesterday. And I understand that 100,000 of those fans of the Kentucky Derby probably have no clue and they just took the favorite. As I told Paz in text yesterday, you, know, you have 100,000 people that have no clue about horse racing. They see where the yellow highlight is over a horse's odds and they just play him because it's the favorite because they have no clue what they're doing anyway. So I understand maybe 50,000 of those people had no clue what they're doing, so that's why they're booing them. And then 50,000 people actually saw it and understand where I'm coming from, where this is a 50-50 call and they can't get it right, and they're booing for that reason. Lost money on it. I get all that. I get all of it. But nobody wants a black eye in the game. You don't want to open ESPN today and see what the hell the, I believe the article, the title of the article is what in the world happened at the Kentucky Derby yesterday? Bad after it went to semicolon. The top two highlights country house wins in a very controversial DQ. And then there was another one under that. About what the trainer said. Trending on Twitter in the USA still. That's um, not almost 20, well, 24 hours from when they had post time to start the day yesterday. Over 24, 25 hours. Start at 10.30 yesterday. It's a black eye. It's like Tyreek Hill. You have draft day, but the purport comes out about Tyreek Hill breaking his three-year-old's arms. Is that good for the game of NFL? That on draft day? And then, you know, of course, the market, the media markets, they completely avoid it because they don't want it to be on their station. But is Tyreek Hill breaking his three-year-old's arm and then and, uh, on text message they tell him his wife he's going to beat her? Is that, is that good for the game of the NFL on draft day? I don't think so. And this isn't good for the game. Uh, I think it's absolutely crazy, and it's absolutely fucking absurd. And it, they've lost me because now I don't have any interest in playing in tournaments because I can't, I can't do with the purity and the consistency anymore. I'm tired of being on the wrong side of these ends, and then if this happened and I wasn't on it or whatever, it goes the other way. You're, it's like you're never on the right side or wrong side of them. 
tired of the lack of consistency and purity, and that's why I don't play at the windows anymore. Uh, jockeys and trainers and reading the book to know where it's going. I actually read a book where a guy literally does not even look at the PPs and bets wherever the sharp money goes at the end of each race because either the fix is in or somebody knows something and he's made a living off that. Imagine that. We're investing money in a sport where a guy actually has a public book with ratings on how in horse racing he walks up to the computer, stands at it for the final two minutes while they load into the gate, and wherever the sharp money goes, he lays the money there. And I could think right off the top of my head, Paz and I were in a tournament last year in the Stars and Stripes, Friends in Fire, I believe he was 6-1. to one. Me and Paz were talking about how big of a steal it was. He was like 9-1 to one, and 6-1. to one. It was 5-1. to one. All of a sudden, he goes around the first turn. He's blowing these horses away. He's a service horse. And I believe, Paz can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he ended up being like 2-1 to one or 8-5 to five or 9-5. to five. How does a horse go 5-1 to one to 9-5 to five to eight or 8-5 to five or whatever, 2-1? to one? You know how much money that is? So that's a guy like the book said. He just plays late money because he knows something. And that's not a game I want to invest in anymore. I need something that's pure. I need something that's consistent. I work way too hard to sign contracts and, and, and support my family. Um, I have a kid coming in here soon. I'm soon to be a father. What am I going to say to my kid? Why that, you know, oh, this horse lost and I'm supporting it because, you know, they didn't, they didn't feel like going out to get him. They just let him walk out there. So looks like no one really read the book or what they had to do to, to win the race. I'm going to support that. Oh, he's juicing them up. So I, I don't know. I know, you know, okay, yeah, 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 pick by names. That's fine. My mom's gone to, uh, gone to, um, gone to Belmont with us before. Or, uh, no, not Belmont. Um, Jesus. Uh, my brother, Goldstream, with me before. And has actually made more money than all of us picking names. And I understand Goldstream is known as one of the shadiest parks in the whole time, land. But we're out there visiting my brother. My mom makes more money picking names and colors than anybody that's actually handicapping it. And that's the game now. And I, it's just not for me anymore. Pause on horse racing, and we'll get into sports after. Yeah, so I I have a, a lot to say um, about all of this. I I had multiple I w- I don't want to call them arguments. I, I had multiple conversations uh, with people yesterday who were involved monetarily, who did not have a dog in the fight in terms of you know uh, where their horses that they were on landed in the race. Um, and everyone, everyone of look, every one of them was civil. Um, and I, I think the point that you're really, really trying to make here is the consistency point And the, the fact that there are, so I, I'm not sure how, if you, if you do know this, if you don't know this, but um, for the general public out there, there is no, like centralized commissioner for for horse racing. Each jurisdiction handles their own rules. Um, it's basically it's basically think of the federal government and state government. So the federal government obviously creates their general laws, but then they leave a lot of a lot of lawmaking things to to the state government. So you know each state has their own like like uh dmv and driving laws are are one thing that are just left to state government so let's just talk about them in some states 
your you can't have your windows tinted at all in other states you you can have them slightly tinted in some states you only need a license plate on your on the front of your car or the back of your car in other states you need them on on both ends so let's just let's just think of it like that so we're thinking in terms of the federal government leaving leaving laws to state governments that's the exact same thing that happens in horse racing states make their own laws as to how they adjudicate fouls as to how they disqualify horses um you know whether it's a a a foul whether it's a costing a a horse a, a placing and that's how they determine whether or not to take a horse down what my whatever it might be so in new york and in california two of the bigger jurisdictions the law states that if you cost a horse a placing that you can potentially be DQ'd. So you can you can actually foul a horse, but if the stewards don't think that you cost another horse a placing or a better spot on the board, so basically making more money or whatever it might be, they won't disqualify you. However, in Kentucky, the law does not state that. The law states that if you foul a horse, wherever it happens, you were liable to be taken down. So I did not know this before the race, before the DQ happened and all that, because I'm primarily a New York, a Naira player, so I know kind of how they adjudicate things in New York. I Look, the stewards, you kind of never know what's, what's going to happen um, whenever you leave something to them. But I was under the assumption that the law was the exact same in New York, as it was in uh, California, as it presumably, I thought, was in Churchill Downs, Kentucky, as well. Um, Look, when you watch that replay, that was one of the most dangerous things that I've seen in a horse race in my life. And I don't go back as far as you do. I really only started getting to the into the game when I met my wife um, because she, you know, her parents were into it and things like that. So that was about, uh, what are we in? We're in 2019. I met my wife in 2008. So 10, 11 years. So I have half of the, um, half of the horse racing knowledge in terms of watching and, and seeing, seeing things happen that you do. So I understand I don't have a, a large book of knowledge. We're, we're generally the same age. So, you know, in terms of, um, you know, thinking the same way and, and, and experiencing things in life, like we've both experienced very similar things in life and, and very similar things. But in terms of racetrack experience, I have about half of what you do. But at the same time, you and I watch races or, you know, in the past few years, we've watched races kind of on a daily basis. Wouldn't you, you would say that, right? Um, so we've probably in the last five years, we've probably watched the same amount of races. And that number is probably anywhere upwards of, uh, it's probably upwards of 10,000 races, I would think. Because we probably watched the last few seasons, we probably watched every single race at Saratoga every single day. So they race 40 days, they have about 10 races a day. So that's, that's 400 races easily right there for five years straight. So that's, that's 2,000, 2,500 races, whatever it, whatever it is right there. That's just Saratoga. Um, 
you know, Monmouth is running, even if they only run two times a week for the past few years, we're pretty much watching every single race at Monmouth the last few years. No, so I think it's probably upwards of 20,000 races. I, I would really think so. Um, and I, I really can't tell you another race that I saw something as dangerous as what happened yesterday. There, if, if War of Will goes down in that position, at least five or six horses behind him go down as well. And you want to talk about a black eye on horse racing? That may have been the end of horse racing right there yesterday if War of Will goes down. The fact that War of Will is such a great and people, you know, people want to talk about these these thoroughbreds as being animals, and yes, they are, but they're also incredible athletes. The fact that War of Will clipped heels twice with the horse in front of him and still was able to stay up because of how agile he is and because of the job that Tyler Gaffleone, the jockey on him, did to to kind of keep him slightly out of that issue as much as he possibly could, you you can't gain enough respect for for these equine athletes and how how just how great they are. Um, but it, as I've said, it was the, one of the most, if not the most dangerous incident that I've seen in horse racing in my lifetime. And like I said to you over the past five years, I've probably watched 10 to 20,000 races and I have not seen anything as dangerous as that. And I think everyone should all be thankful that every single horse is still alive after that and that we didn't have on national TV with the one race a year that everyone in the world actually watches, um, that we didn't have six horses going down and then three of them being euthanized on the track and, you know, two of the jockeys leaving on stretchers and just whatever else could have possibly happened, just be thankful that that did not happen. Um, and, you know, take that as a whole. Now I want to talk about the decision. Who was the best horse in that race yesterday? I don't think any person that has an educated horse mind would not be able to tell you that maximum security was 100% the best horse in that race yesterday. If that incident doesn't happen, I still don't think War of Will gets there. He might finish second. He might finish third. I think maximum security, when he came around that turn, I thought Code of Honor was coming up the rail, and I thought Code of Honor was going to blow right by him. My wife had – she doesn't bet huge amounts either. Uh, my wife had a, a sizable wager on, on Code of Honor, and as they're coming around the turn and the, and the rail kind of opened up like it did – I turned and looked at her and I pointed at her because I really thought Code of Honor was blowing by them. A perfect ride by Johnny. I mean, if you want to talk about an impeccable ride from, from the 13 hole, I know again, you know, the general public might not understand the further out that you're drawn, it's tougher to get position on the rail. Obviously the shortest way around the track is around the rail. Um, Johnny somehow maneuvered him over to the rail, 
stopped the perfect trip the entire way around um, and just exploded up the rail. I will also say that Code of Honor, I mean, um, Maximum Security, after he reared out five packs, came back into the rail and did impede Code of Honor and did knock him almost into the rail as well. So we don't know if Code of Honor doesn't get bumped there and get intimidated there. Does he actually blow by him? I don't know. He might. He absolutely might. But maximum security not only impeded the, you know, three or four horses on his outside and almost caused one of the largest incidents in horse racing history. Then he also came back in after, after you know, drifting out and also bumped into Code of Honor, which almost put Code of Honor into the rail, which almost put Johnny over the rail as well. So this 10 seconds, 15 seconds, however long it took for that entire incident to happen, like I said, was the most dangerous or was the most dangerous thing that I've ever seen in a horse race in my lifetime. And I think the DQ was 100% warranted. It needed to happen. I know people might say that, you know, if, if Baffert was training that horse, it wouldn't have happened. If Mott was training the horse that it happened to, it wouldn't have happened. But because Service was the trainer of that horse, that that might have gone into the decision. Yes, that's possible. Service is one of the biggest scumbags out there. Um, he drugs his horses. Anyone with a, with, a, with a knowledgeable eye of horse racing will tell you that something abnormal happens with his horses during races. He is a huge scumbag. And the part of me that I, again, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I was on Tacitus. I, I wasn't getting put up. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I was looking at it from a, from a, you know, an objective point of view. Um, my, like I said, my wife had a bet on code of honor. My father-in-law had a bet on maximum security actually. So I was trying to be diplomatic with him. He was actually being very diplomatic about it as well. Um, he said to me after seeing it, he said, you know, before the stewards made their decision that if this was, you know, the sixth race at Belmont or the sixth race at Churchill Downs or the fifth race at Monmouth, that horse is, they're looking at that once and that horse is coming right down. So, you know what? If and my my father-in-law, same thing, has been going to the Belmont Stakes since um, Seattle Slough. So that's 1978, 1979, whatever it was. So that's 40 years. He's been watching horse racing for 40 years. So don't you know? It's not like he just started picking up the game yesterday and oh said oh I'm going to bet on maximum security. He's been watching horse racing for 40 years, and he told me that. With with a hundred dollar win bet on maximum security, which would have gotten him back five hundred bucks, that if this race happened, if this is any other race, normal Saturday, normal Friday, whatever, at Belmont Park, Monmouth Park, Churchill Downs, wherever, that this horse comes down after watching the video one time. I mean, I I I'm not sure what else to say. I I don't have that full knowledge, and this is the most dangerous thing that I've seen on a on a racetrack in the past ten years. And I think that horse comes down 100% of the time. He needs to come down. And it needed to be, a point needed to be made that how dangerous this infraction was. 
and I'm I I feel for the betters. Um, I really do. Um, but I, I I'm sorry. I, I I really think that I saw it twice. I didn't see it in the in the in running because they on the pan shot you necessarily can't tell when horses drift and you know who gets impeded. And I was also watching it on a on a bigger screen, you know, a hundred yards away from or a hundred feet away from me at Monmouth Park. I was there with you yesterday. Um, so you know, I didn't have the up close of my television in HD right in front of me to really to really see it as it happened. But then when you see that video, um, um, I, I I the only reason I thought he wasn't going to come down was because it was the Kentucky Derby. That's the only reason I thought he wouldn't come down. Otherwise, any normal day, that's 100% a DQ. So from in my in my mind. I like when they make calls in the biggest games and when they make them in the smallest games. Like people say, oh, the referee should swallow their whistle in the last 30 seconds of a game. Well, if a foul is a foul in the first minute of the game, why isn't it a foul in the last minute of the game? I, 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 don't, see what, I, don't, I don't see what the difference is there. It's the same thing in I'm – a, I'm a big soccer fan. People say, oh, you don't make that foul call in the box because it's a penalty kick. Well, if that foul was a – if that would be a foul at midfield, why isn't that a foul in the box? I'm sorry. I, I, I don't see the – like people want to talk about the issue of consistency. There's your issue with consistency. A foul is a foul in the first quarter as it is in the fourth quarter. It's a foul as it is on a 10-claimer at Belmont on a Friday as it is in the Kentucky Derby. A foul is the same thing at midfield as it is in the box. And yesterday, that was an egregious foul. And the people that are saying that the DQ was horrible, I think they're more so coming from a, not a, from a foul standpoint, because you, there's no argument that that was not a foul yesterday. That was the most egregious foul that you'll see in horse racing if you watch Every single race that happens for an entire five years. That foul in the Kentucky Derby yesterday was the most egregious foul you'll see if you watch every single race from now until five years from now. So five years is Kentucky. So the Kentucky Derby in 2024. The foul that you saw yesterday is the most egregious thing you'll see happen on a horse, in a horse race from now until the Derby five years from now. And I don't have a doubt in my mind about it. The people that are arguing against it, I think they're coming more from the standpoint that Country House probably was not affected by the the foul or not as much affected by the foul as War of Will, Long Range Toddy, Code of Honor, and then the horses that had to steady behind War of Will when he pulled pulled up and I get it the DQ rule in horse racing isn't perfect from the standpoint of a deserving horse is not always the winner of every single race and country house had the entire length of the stretch to go by maximum security and he couldn't do it was he ever winning that race yesterday no he was never winning that race yesterday no matter what, 
he was second best, or maybe even third best. If you want to say War of, if you think War of Will was going to finish second, uh, that's fine with me. Um, I, I, I can accept that. He was third. He could have been third best yesterday. And if you want to tell me that Code of Honor would have finished second, I have no argument with that as well. I think he absolutely got impeded and intimidated by maximum security when he came back and kind of bumped him into the rail. If you want to tell me that Code of Honor was second best yesterday, or even, even best, I don't have an argument with that either. So Country House is arguably either second to fourth best in that race yesterday. And he gets put up at the, as the winner. The rule isn't perfect, but you can't, when you're DQing a horse for fouling other horses that ends up winning the race, you can't put up horses that got fouled and ended up finishing 15th up to first. It just can't happen. And Country House ended up being the beneficiary of it. And that's, you know, that's the, I think that's the thing that doesn't sit well with the public, with betters, with, with things like that. But that's, that's the rule. That's the rule. The horse in first comes down and everyone else gets moved up. It doesn't matter if Country House was best, if, if War of Will was best, if Code of Honor was best. It, it, it doesn't matter. That's, that's the way it happens. So Country House ends up being your winner. I feel bad for those connections. Bill Mott, the trainer of Country House, got his first Kentucky Derby win yesterday, and he got booed when they were in the infield presenting the trophy to him. How do you think the connections that won felt? They probably felt just as shitty as the connections that, that lost. Yeah, maybe they felt a little bit better because they won and they're getting a $1.8 million check. Sure, they probably felt a little better. But look, none of the owners of any of these horses in the Kentucky Derby are wanting for money. So the check has nothing to do with it. It's just that now in history, the name Country House and the horse that they own will live in infamy. Let's, let's call it what it is. For the next 25 years, 30 years, when, I'm, when, when my kid is, you know, 30, when my grandchild, hopefully, you know, God willing, I get to see my grandchildren um, you know, and they're five years old, six years old, 10 years old. And they're saying, grandpa, what, you know, why is the DQ, why is this race of, you know, the Kentucky Derby in 2019 being shown over and over? And I'm going to say, well, it's the first time that a horse ever got disqualified in the Kentucky Derby from first and a new horse got put up in the 145 runnings, or at that point, let's assume it's 50 years from now. 195th running of the Kentucky Derby one time. So 0.5% of the time I was, I saw the winner of the Kentucky Derby get DQ'd out of first place. And, and I think that's, I just, I feel bad for everybody involved. I feel bad for you that, you know, that your bet got, got, got screwed. Um, I feel bad for my father-in-law whose bet got screwed. I, I really, I think I just, feel, I feel for the connections and the, the betters. That's who I really feel for. Um, but like I said, I think the DQ was 100% warranted. Um, I think it had to happen. I think if 
War of Will isn't the the athlete that he is. He goes down there, causes an even bigger black eye for horse racing. Um, and yeah, I uh, like I said, I'm I don't have the 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 depth of knowledge and the depth of horse racing, uh, you know, watching that that you do per se, but. Like I said, the last four or five years, I think we're both we're upwards of watching ten thousand races, and I'm not sure if you're you're in agreement with me about it being one of the most dangerous things you've ever seen, um, or the most dangerous thing. But that was the most dangerous thing I've seen on a racetrack um, in the last you know in the last ten thousand races that I've watched, and pro- and in my lifetime. Um, so I, I I don't know if you want to respond to that. If you want me to keep going. Um, but I think that this, in terms of consistency, I think horse racing really needs to come together and just kind of outline one set of rules that we're all going to follow that stewards, you know, get retrained and, you know, say, this is a foul. This horse is coming down for this. This is a foul. This isn't a foul, whatever it might be. Um, just so we can all have consistency because, when you're when you're betting on these athletes, these equine athletes, look, they're animals. They can't talk to you. You don't know if that day they just don't feel like running. You can have a one to nine shot on paper, and that day that horse just says, you know what, uh, you know, my mind's not in it today. I don't feel like running, and he just you know jogs around the track, and you know you end up losing, right? You you have no idea if that's that's in their minds. But the part that we can control is the human aspect of it. Let's make things consistent so that way you know what a foul is. I know what a foul is. I know when a horse should get DQ'd. You know when a horse should get DQ'd. So that way we don't have, after the biggest race in the United States happens, 25 handicappers coming out saying this should have been a a DQ, 10 journalists coming out saying the DQ was horrible, Um, you know, Trainers coming out saying this absolutely should have come down. There's no reason why everyone shouldn't be on the exact same page as this. And I'm not saying that everyone should be on the exact same page as what happened yesterday. But if the rules are written consistently, consistent, yeah, consistently, and everyone is trained consistently, then there won't be an issue with whether or not that was a foul yesterday. And there won't be disagreement. Or if there is disagreement, it'll be more like 95-5 or 90-10. It won't be 60-40 or 65-35. And everyone knows what the rules are. And everyone knows when a horse should be DQ'd, when they shouldn't be DQ'd, and so on. So I think that's also part of the gripe of horse players. As we were betting on animals that we can't speak to and know how they're feeling that day. So that's the first issue. The second issue is if I'm on the best horse and I get taken down, I at least want to be, want it to be a justified and I want to know why. And I want to know, and I want it to be consistent across the board. So that way the next time that that happens and I'm on the horse that comes in second place and that horse then doesn't get DQ'd in first because he did the exact same thing that, the horse did the race before. I want to know why. I just want it to be consistent. I can live with the fact 
I can live with getting DQ'd. I've gotten DQ'd many times in my life. I can live with losing a photo. I've lost millions of photos in my life. Not millions. I lost, lost tons of photos in my life. I've won tons of photos in my life. I've been put up a couple times as well. I just want it to be consistent. That's all you can ask for as a better. And that's in horse racing. That's if you're betting the NBA. That's if you're betting Major League Baseball. You just want a foul to be a foul in every single sport, whether it's the first quarter, whether it's the fourth quarter, and whether you're watching a game with the road team or the home team. That's, I, I think that's all fans, betters alike. That's all we ask for. We just ask for consistency. And we just don't see it nowadays. And that's the problem. That's the issue I think most people have is that it's consistent. It's or inconsistent, I should say. We can live with the results if the same thing is called the same way on a nightly basis, on a quarterly basis, on a race-by-race basis. We can live with it. When it's, I feel like taking this horse down this time and not the next time, that's when we have an issue. Rhino, what more do you have to say? Um, uh, I just, uh, I just don't feel, I like, just don't feel better. And, um, basically, I mean, for the most part, I think calling this the worst, uh, look, I, I, you know, you said you've watched for however long or less than me. I, I think w- the worst you've ever seen might be a little egregious. I mean, I could, I even think about yesterday, it was either the second or third at Mammoth, the six steps on the, the back of the fours or on the back of the five, five ends up winning the race, six throws the jockey. I mean, that's a real ugly one. That's a real bad one. Um, and nothing happens. And, and that, that, that's where, uh, and that's where the consistency comes into play. And, um, Maybe we'll come on tomorrow. I, as expected, we both talked for basically a half hour each, and um, I have something to do really this afternoon. But um, so you know, maybe we'll get back to our regular schedule. But I, you know, the same thing goes on for sports, which we could get into tomorrow. Is that I thought that over time, um, the nonsense that goes in with college basketball and the lack of consistency. Uh, refereeing and recruits and the purity of the game, which I keep talking about, which relates to this too, of coaches that are still coaching that are either on trial, past trial, on wiretap now. I mean, even more advanced, the likes of Calipari still have a job. Um, but then Calipari has a job who's closed down two programs, but Patino doesn't have a job who let the recruits come on campus and uh, go to a strip club and, and do more than a strip club, a plus a rub and tug and whatever else, um, whatever you want to call them hookers, I guess is the word for them or prostitutes. Um, 
does that directly affect the game of basketball? Not really. Is it right? No, I'm not saying that. My point is that there's just absolutely no consistency in college basketball anymore with the cheating, with Calipari still being in the game. Now you have somebody like Miller, who's also closed down two programs himself, somehow still got the coach to Arizona all year on wiretap, doesn't have to go to stand in front of the federal jury. You have the LSU coach who the AD is going to reinstate and he's going to be able to recruit again also on wiretap. And then you have the players that are playing against them where Duke no shot loses to Kansas with two guys that got suspended this year and a third one, which we still don't know why Vic left the program, also probably will be suspended. And I'm sure we'll hear in short time because now Bill Self has also been subpoenaed. So now you have three players. There's no way Duke loses to them, as we discussed on shows a long time ago. Uh, they combined for 19 points and like 23 boards that game. There's no way without those nine three points and 23 rebounds, they beat Duke on a, on a buzzer beater in the OT. And then uh, whatever it was, five, I think it was five because I had plus four and they lost by five, I believe, or I had plus three, they lost by four, whatever. They lose to Kansas. So now the, the lack of consistency of refereeing, the lack of consistency of the rules for recruiting uh, ruins the purity of the game. And I just like, like, a guy decommitted from Duke the other day. I don't, need, I don't care. A guy committed to Duke the other day. not really care. I am into Trey Jones because I think his family fights, and I really love the family. So, like, I'm, st- I'm into Trey Jones and, like, his posting. They kind of pumped me up. Um, but, like, it's, I'm at a, such a degree where I thought this would pass. It's been – I don't even know. When did Duke get knocked out? End of, end of uh, March or whatever? It's been almost over a month now, and I don't feel any different. And uh, just the NFL with the purity and consistency from the picture that is posted by McCaffrey, who clearly is on steroids. And I have some information beyond just of him, uh, many others. And, like, so that purity of that game is gone. Uh, the refereeing, as you see in the Saints game, ridiculous. The NBA is just literally the WWE now. They have their own referees. You have guys either on trial for che- uh, refs that are cheating games and not on trial uh, or past trial and are in jail or paying a fine. So you have that going on in between games now, which also went, also went on in college basketball this year. And um, it's just really pulling me away along with the whole standing, not standing for the flag when I know many veterans and, and all that stuff. And it's just taken away from the purity game. And I have no interest. I didn't watch a second of the NFL draft. I don't care. Um, you have all these dudes. That I, I feel like every day I open Twitter and right on the top is somebody else that's in domestic violence or got caught with weed or got caught, whatever weed will be legalized in the whole country. But like, I feel like the only two pure games left are baseball and NHL. And that's really all I watched. Like, uh, and it's just sad. And now horse racing just joins that. Did I already kind of start to have this feelings this year? Yes. Did I kind of step away from the windows because my ROI, which in the sport for anybody that doesn't know return on investment, or if you're not in the stock market, whatever is my ROI in tournaments way better. Yes. Uh, that's another reason why I'm not going to sit here and lie and say the only reason that I'm stepping out is because the purity of the game of horse racing. There's, there's other, there's, that's another reason. I uh, just way more successful in tournaments. Yes. That's another reason I swept away from the windows, but at the end of the day, it comes down to, as Paz mentioned a million times, consistency and purity. And um, it's just gotten to such a level where it's insane. And we had this convo on Friday together from the nonsense with the pick five, which is, to me, a jockey that clearly steals a race because the others don't do what they know they have to do is messing with the purity because that's shady to me. Um, and now something like this, which takes away part two, which I've been saying about the sports is consistency. And those are the two main things for me. All I want is consistency as a fan on rulings and refereeing and fouls and whatever. 
and I want purity. And um, to me, I think the only two things left in this world in terms of what I used to love, which is sports uh, that I'm passionate about. I mean, look, I watch the Arizona Diamondbacks right now because they play great fundamental baseball, and I hate the fundamental baseball the Yankees play when their whole team is. The Yankees play much better fundamental baseball now with the young kids, and we get into that another day. But my point is, is that I love, I love the game of baseball. I think it's pure, and I like watching the Diamondbacks because they play fundamental baseball the way I coach and teach it. They bump guys over, squeeze, whatever. Um, but that's purity of the game. And I just don't think the NBA, the NFL, and college basketball have that anymore. It's unfortunate because it's, uh, it ruins it. And now horse racing is taken from me. And if I haven't got back into things I love like college basketball and stuff after over a month, um, I, I really mean it when I say, and, and, and uh, Paz can attest, man, like I'm really serious about it. When I say stuff like this, I don't do it to get a vibe or to have a viral video or rant. I do it because I mean it. And I just, um, I just, it's kind of dead to me. And I, I don't know if I don't, I don't think I'm going to come back this year. And I don't think maybe I don't ever come back. I don't know. But what happened yesterday? Um, look, uh, you can't stewards that you can't, you can't, you just cannot. And I don't mean to be repetitive. You cannot have a 60, 40 thing get overturned. You cannot. And that's from professionals. You cannot have somebody that's professional stewards and 70, 30, whatever, get overturned not saying he didn't foul 100 percent foul but you have 19 horses you if that happens at other tracks i know pause feels differently that that wouldn't be called i've seen things those same things dangerous or not not be called like yesterday in race two or three of Monmouth. they stepped he stepped right in the back of the host taking the lane you have freaking five six horses destroying each other destroying each other to the point where they literally are down like on two legs coming out of the gate nothing gets overturned. There's just no consistency. And if there was consistency, I'll give you just a prime example for anybody. That's just a one day, a horse race. Like I'll go to the OTB today, or I'll go to my local horse race track. If the the main thing, and this speaks volumes, speaks absolute volumes is whether you're on the race or not. If there is a violation, an objection or whatever, whether it's by stewards, which you know you could, uh, for people that don't know, you can make a, you could be a stewards objection, jockey objection, trainer objection, whatever. They come in different ways. The fact that anybody, whether they have two dollars on it or a million dollars on it, and they see that happen on the screen, that you watch them stand at the TV and watch, tells you that there's a serious problem, because if it was consistent. All of us, someone like me who's watched, as Paz mentioned, 20,000 races in the last year, whatever, I should be able to know in one replay, because maybe I missed it live, whether it's a foul or not. So should Paz, so should the guy that bets $2. But the fact that we have to stand there yesterday for 22 minutes and then 24 minutes for the presentation, so really 24 minutes, the fact that I've been with Paz at Monmouth before where we, we had a nice one on one of Paz's uh, favorite angles. We stood there, two people, very knowledgeable in the sport, 15 minutes. The fact that neither, neither Paz or I can walk away from that TV because we know what the outcome is after watching the replay, that's a serious problem. And I just, I just don't want to be a part of that. 
and this isn't going to change because horse racing is literally 10 to 90 against the better. The better is always at a loss, whether it's percent taken out of a handle, whether it's um, this shit like this, whether it's uh, juicers that you don't know about, whether it's people getting inside tips, what have you, the better always loses in all facets. And I just don't, I can't, I, I, this is just another thing that I just can't be part of a inconsistent and, and not pure sport. I'll call it a sport. It's a, it's a sport. I can't be a part and I don't want to be part of it. Just like I shot, gave away the NFL and I gave away my fantasy league to have my brother run it and tapped out of all the other ones and just staying in it merely because it's a bunch of family and everybody that's in that league is very close to me, whether it's Paz, my mother, my father, my brother, uh, and basically everybody in that league is my best friend. My wife's in it. It's the only reason I'm staying in it because it's a family league and I'm giving it away. It's why I don't watch the NBA. I watch Russell Westbrook because I like his performance as an athlete. I watch LeBron. I like his performance as an athlete. But the day you, you will never catch me watching a regular season game. No purity, no consistency, and it's it, it's. I just feel like I don't want to say something like I like egregious because people deal with a lot of sh- like worse shit. Uh, I'm just trying to think of an analogy. Something like, you know what? Here, I'll give you this a prime example because this happened to me. I feel like I feel the same way I felt when I got injured as a sophomore in baseball and a freak injury. And I got told in the hospital the next day that my career was over. That's how I feel because baseball meant the world to me. And that's all I cared about. And that's all I was passionate about. And that's all I ever wanted to do. And it got taken from me. And that's how I feel about horse racing and the NFL and all this stuff, because baseball was pure and it was consistent for me. And it was a hobby. And it's something I did all day, every day. I, I, I would go gym and lift specifically for baseball with a trainer. I would get out of work. I would take 100 to, to 200 to 300 ground balls. Then I would hit 500 balls a day. And then I would go home and I would throw balls off a pitch back off the concrete because the ground balls come back to me would be harder. And I would take some off the face and chest. But my point is, is it was a hobby and it was something I love and it was consistent and pure and it got stolen from me, right from me. And that's how I feel about the Kentucky. And that's how I feel about horse racing now and the NFL and the NBA. And that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the best thing I could think of as an analogy. I don't want to say something like these poor people that get paralyzed and can't do things and stuff. But to me, that's the closest analogy to how I feel about this. And it's just not changing for me. Like I'm just not into college basketball. I'm just not into the NFL at all. I'm just not into horse racing anymore at all. And these are the things that these still have been enjoy and we're consistent and pure and they're just not now. I don't know if it's cause I'm involved in it so much. Like I know too much. I was thinking about that. Like, do I know so much about horse racing that now that I'm in too far, it's not enjoyable anymore. Cause I know all the bullshit, but I, sh- it shouldn't matter whether you're just go to the Kentucky Derby or just go to the Belmont stakes or you go every single day to the horse race track, whether you're that involved or that little involved to have this much bullshit going on is, is just unfortunate. And um, I don't know. And that, that's just, that's how I feel. And I think that analogy kind of really sums it up. Um, pause. Why don't you give us the ending note here and then uh, we'll step away till tomorrow night, maybe. Yeah. Just, just to end. Um, I, I, you know, I love going to the track with you, um, you know, outside of going with my wife. I mean, if, if I could, 
choose anybody to go to the track with it's you. So I really hope that, um, you know, your views change. Uh, I love us going there on a random Saturday, Sunday, you know, hit the golf course in the morning, go straight to Monmouth right after, kind of have an all day, all bro day. Um, so I hope, you know, that would, uh, you know, your views kind of mellow a little bit from here on out. Uh, we can continue to do those things, those types of things. Um, but look, I, I totally understand. I get it. Um, like I said, I, I, I didn't have a dog in the fight at all yesterday. And I, I believe the call was correct, but the consistency is what the issue really comes down to. You know, we, we as betters, that's all we can ask for. We could just ask for consistency for everyone to give a hundred percent and for the people that adjudicate the sport to, to, to be consistent. Um, as long as we feel, I feel like as long as betters feel like they got a fair shake and they lost fair and square, they're okay with it. Um, you know, I'm fine with my horse Tacitus yesterday. He, he ran a good race, but he was fourth best, fifth, whatever. Um, that, that's fine. I'm fine with it. He, I, I didn't get eliminated anywhere. I, you know, I had a free run and, and I just lost and I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, it's just when it comes down to things like this, you know, leaving it in the hands of people that are giving you inconsistent rulings that, and that's what, you know, kind of turns betters off, turns people off, whatever you want to say. Um, so, you know, I just hope for everyone's sake that this can be a, a driver of change that we can really look into the, the rules of, uh, of, of horse racing and really just bring a more consistent ruling to the issues that we're dealing with. Um, and, and that's what I hope. Um, and I, I really hope that happens. So on that note, um, I'm glad to, to have had this, you know, half hour, 45 minute debate, especially after being able to sleep on it for a night. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, talk about it again. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there. We'll see what's going on with the schedule tomorrow. Uh, but we'll try to, I'm going to try uh, my best here. We should get back on. There's some cool things going on to talk about and Carolina hurricanes making a crazy run that we're, uh, I was talking to Sonny, who we've had on here a couple times. I believe he had said to me they were like 85 to 1 or something preseason. So pretty cool stuff. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't mind talking to NHL, and we could definitely get in more depth about the consistency and period in sport and uh, some other storylines going on. And I sh- I'm sure Paz could talk about Daniel Jones, and, uh, you know, I've listened to a lot of sports radio, listen to that. So we'll kind of get back on a consistent schedule, but we'll cut that there. That's uh, we appreciate anyone that tuned in and um, that's their kind of our Kentucky Derby thoughts. And just uh, from the standpoint of uh, each of us and um, that's really about it. Um, so thanks for joining. You can catch this uh, rip back on a podcast, iTunes radio, Stitcher radio, tune in radio. Um, and if you, you know, like what we do or like what we had to say, or want to, uh, you know, you listen to this and want to comment or message, uh, please do so. You can find us at uncut sports talk, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and Facebook. And uh, we hope everyone has a good rest of their weekend and we'll see you uh, this week one or two times. Uh, thank you. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.